being neurofeedback? Well, I got introduced to neurofeedback because I heard it was something that helps with ADD, something I've grown up with, something that gave me a horrible time in school. And I heard about some success stories with um, mostly younger kids whose parents could see big turnarounds with them. So I went and did it as a client. And then uh, after getting my license, I, I uh, bought the equipment and got trained myself. Neurofeedback works in a couple different ways. You can, you can either disentrain something or you can entrain something new. So when, something's, when you have a mental or emotional problem, something in your head is dysregulated in some way. Things are out of balance. They're out of sync. The amount of energy your brain is expending isn't being allocated in the best way. So you can fix that. And I found out a few years ago that most of the processes in the brain are electrical, more than 90% of them. And there are all these chemical processes going on all the time. And you've got to, got, you've got to get those chemical processes right. Those need to be right. But still, the, the overall functioning tends to be heavily electrical. And the neurofeedback, using various different tools and various different computer programs, can regulate that electrical work. So the disentrainment that I mentioned a second ago is where you, you just mix up what's going on. You, you disrupt what's happening. And you can use it through light, through sound, or you can do that through light or through sound or through electromagnetic frequencies to just break up patterns you have. A great example, my favorite example is uh, PTSD. Your brain gets stuck in this, this response, this um, emergency fight or flight response. It stays there. Sometimes it stays there for years. Well, using electromagnetic frequencies, we can break up that pattern. So some of the high beta frequencies that are generated through various parts of your brain, it might be in the amygdala or the hippocampus that processes memories of various different places. You can break that up so the brain can, is then free to sort of pick up its old pattern again. So I have one device that, that only does that, disentrains things. You send a little electromagnetic frequency into the brain that's customized to that person's signal. It's very much like what the person's brain's already doing. But the brain tries to follow that new signal and it kind of disrupts things. And then in the process of dealing with that disruption, it smooths things out and the brain is able to kind of optimize its own process. It's very, very useful. I use it for ADD, anxiety, and attention deficit disorder, and a few other things. But it really tends to work quite well for those, those three disorders. So that's disentraining. And then you can entrain, which is where you put an electrode on the scalp, one or four or maybe a whole EEG cap full of electrodes. There's 19 of them in the cap. And then you tell the brain what you want it to do. You tell the computer system what you want the brain to do. I want the, I want the two hemispheres of the brain on this spot to, fu to, to function uh, in, in a similar way, maybe on the alpha frequency. And so when the brain does that, then the computer gives it some feedback. It maybe makes a sound, or if you're watching a video, the video will get brighter. And that's the feedback part of neurofeedback. And that's operant conditioning. So you're, you're watching something and your brain is subconsciously picking up on all these little signals. And when it, you do it for 20 minutes and it's happening over and over and over, the brain picks up that I'm getting the signal every time I do this. And then your brain starts just naturally doing more of that. It works, it works incredibly well. It's, so we pick it up through any of our senses and then we entrain it. So, so that's disentraining and entraining. 
the the old school neurofeedback is the in-training part. That's what's it's been done for uh, for decades, really. And mostly, it's it's about rewarding certain frequencies. You want more alpha frequencies, you train those up. You want more less beta frequencies, you train those down. So that does that make all all make sense? Yes, it does. I just have a few questions. You mentioned the operant conditioning, the rewarding. So, and I'm just imagining. I, I know the the brain operates on you know chemical and electrical. So I'm imagining all these electrical circuits, and then your software or your equipment, right, is yeah. interacting with that. So it's either in disentraining, it's either disrupting the natural circuit circuitry. Is that accurate? Yeah, I'd say something. Okay, so it's breaking that that natural pattern, and then in the in-training, it's rewarding a pattern that's beneficial. And yes. how, how does it reward? I so the reward comes through the computer. Um, so you, there are there are devices we have where the hardware sends a signal to your brain. That's one way of doing it. But the reward we're talking about actually comes through the computer, not through the equipment we use. It comes through the monitor or through the speakers. Usually I will have people watch a movie, and the movie will get brighter whenever the reward happens. And your mind wants it to get brighter. It's more comfortable that way. And so your brain just picks up on it. And there, there's, there are a few, a few dozen different ways to administer the reward. People have made all these creative softwares. Kids will play what, what feels kind of like a video game and, and the little boat or the little aircraft will shoot forward whenever you get the reward. It's the kids watching and waiting for the boat to shoot forward. And, and so every time you do that, you, your brain kind of gets what it wants. Okay. Um, and the, the most effective way I know is to just hear a sound because it's so precise. It's so precisely timed with the reward. I'm not sure if it makes a huge difference, but that's, it's a good way to go. And in fact, ideally, if I'm treating someone with attention deficit disorder, if they're up for it, it's good to allow them to sit and be bored in the session because that's when the ADD kind of turns on and you train them in that state. So they'll just sit, they won't watch a movie, they'll sit and stare at the screen and they'll listen to a, a sound. Maybe it's sound of an instrument or a, a, a bell of some kind. And it just bing, 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 bing. And it just goes off whenever the brain happens to line up with that, that um, pattern that you want. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And it doesn't sound like it's negative at all. And oh, yeah, it's all... Positive, positive you, feedback, positive reinforcement. You mentioned that this was a challenge you experienced when you were in school. Were you able yeah. to use neurofeedback? Oh yeah, yeah. Every every system I've bought, I use I use four different systems, and everyone I've bought, I've then used on myself okay. to optimize my own performance as much as I could. It's part of the it's part of the fun of it. Oh, let's let's see how this one works, and then you do everything on yourself and. And uh, that's part of the experimentation. I talked to multiple colleagues who who talk about their experiences trying these things on themselves. I have one colleague up in Canada whose son is autistic, and and he's he's talked several times about things he's tried for his son and what's helped calm him down and what's what you know what's done this or that. Yeah, it's it's exciting. It's a great it's a great process. 
people respond very differently to it. It's in general, you want to say, wait until after about 10 sessions before you really know for sure, you know, you decide this is what it's doing for me. But truth be told, I can feel it working when I do it. When I, when I'm hooked up to the computer, I can feel it doing something. Mm -hmm. um, when I use the lens system that stands for low energy neurofeedback system, um, people usually can feel it right after they get up out of the chair. It's one of the things I like about that specific system. It's a, it's a quick, um, it's a quick response. Yeah. And other people, they don't feel anything, but their wife comes back to the session with them and says, well, he doesn't get mad anymore. Or, or parents say, he, he doesn't like it when we tell him what to do, but he does it. Before he would throw a tantrum. He still throws a tantrum, but he still, but now he does what we tell him what to do. Things like that. Um, so sometimes it starts affecting your behavior when you don't even realize it. Other times you can feel that it's doing something pretty quickly. It depends on the person and their self-awareness and their, their sensitivity level whatnot. Does it depend on age? Do you see a stronger response in younger clients or is it more individual? Um, it is a little more individual than that. I don't think I could generalize to age. I generalize more to sensitivity. In fact, the, in the lens system, we have them fill out a, a questionnaire that actually asks questions about their sensitivity level. And that often gives us an idea of how, how well they're going to pick up and notice what it's doing. You mean their sensitivity level to sounds and light? Uh, that's one of the questions, yeah. Also, weather changing and uh, how sensitive they are to changes in their environment or emotional shifts of various kinds. Yeah, just overall sensitivity. It's kind of hard to quantify. It's, it's actually a list of rather strange questions <laughs> that it asks. But the people who have who've engineered it say that it really tends to help get an idea. Also, not just how well they'll notice, but how well how how rigorous the treatment should be. If they're really sensitive, you don't want it to be very rigorous. The, this particular system, the lens, is one where you are actually feeding an EMS signal through the scalp, through the skull, into the brain. Uh, and you only do it for a few seconds. That's one of the, that's the disruptive one. And it, again, people have great responses to it. But you only do it for a, a few seconds per spot. Maybe four, maybe ten seconds in a more extreme more extreme one. And so if somebody's really sensitive, you only do one to five spots on their head, maybe four spots on their head. Whereas if somebody isn't very sensitive, you might do 10 to 15 spots, depending on all sorts of things. And you'd, you'd have to do that many spots for them to notice anything. I have one client who, uh, she's, a, she's actually a therapy client as well, um, with a lot of trauma behind her. She's very sensitive, sensitive to everything, very keyed into how she feels. She Expre expresses some of her emotions and, and her mental state very, very, very well, paints a picture, you know. So I was never able to do more than one spot for three seconds on her head, and that's all she could handle. And that otherwise, it just sort of made her, it kind of put her into a panic. But if I did the one, it started bringing her whole life into focus, it, and it was kind of amazing to hear her describe that. So the effect on her was to you. The, the goal, it sounds like, it was to to help her get past her trauma, right? Yeah, yeah. Ease anxiety, 
it, it made the, the trauma work we were doing in session um, smoother, for lack of a better word, a little more accessible. It made so that when she was able, when she left my office and went home, all the work we'd done, she could kind of integrate it and get back to daily life and not have it disrupt things so much. To supplement the therapy and make yes. it effective. Yeah, I try to always, my, my therapy specialty is trauma. I'm an EMDR therapist. I, I focus on people with PTSD, if possible, people with complex PTSD. And so, yeah, if I use something like electromagnetic frequencies, I can get the brain to calm down and handle the treatment better. Um, and you can do great trauma treatment without any of the neurofeedback. The neurofeedback just makes it so much smoother on someone. So, yeah, I use it to yes. supplement that treatment. It's really a fun experience. And, and some people, again, respond differently. Um, so sh this woman did really well with that specific system. But then we tried a different system I have, which just creates electromagnetic frequencies. You have these little paddles, and you put them above the head, and they, they blast these really subtle EMF frequencies into the brain. And often we'll use alpha and theta frequencies and just have someone increase increase those. Often we'll do frequencies, which just helps the brain. It helps, again, disentrain what's going on in the brain. And she liked that more. She liked that a lot more. Uh, so that's what we do on her now. And there's there are some pretty fancy things you can do. We uh, the, the man who invented this actually has an autistic son, and he used the one system, the lens, on his son for um for quite a while and he did everything he could with it he even altered how the lens worked kind of hacked the software and pushed it to its edge of its ability and he thought boy I, my son doesn't his brain doesn't remember what it was like to not be autistic he was actually born epoxic that's what the the real cause of the problem was so he said if i can just push his brain to do a little more in a certain direction then we could get it working better so he was just disentraining things but you can only change things so much by breaking up the patterns. And his brain didn't remember what it was like before it had these bad patterns. So, so he thought, what if we show him what it's like to not have these bad patterns? We could, by just introducing new frequencies. So he made this amplifier that generates EMF frequencies, and you can program it to do any frequency you want. It does sound like this therapy is highly individualized. It's not, Oh yeah. this is the treatment for all students, you know, all clients with ADHD. You really are constantly interacting with the client and getting a feel for what's helping, what's, yeah. Yeah, every, every session. Okay, how you doing? How did this, how did it feel this time? Right? Is anything changing? And when you change one thing on the way your brain works, it has pretty significant, not significant, sometimes it's a very minimal, but it has an effect on multiple parts of the brain because you're using all your brain all the time. And these regions of the brain rely on each other to operate right. The signals get sent all over the place. And, and when one thing doesn't work in one part of the brain, other parts of the brain are, are wonderful at compensating for it. You can actually get part of your brain cut out. Yes. And, and usually find a way to do what that brain, that part of the brain was supposed to be doing. Um, so your brain has found a kind of equilibrium. It's working for you because you've been doing what you're doing with it for years and years and years. So you, you generate a lot of your emotions in the limbic system, which is completely subperceptual. It's all subconscious. It's all, it's automatic. Something happens and 
you have an emotional reaction to it immediately based on the way you were raised and all your chemical circuitry and all the mental habits you've built up and the filters you have. It just happens. And then you move that situation to your frontal cortex where you decide how you want to see it. You make some choices about um, what you want to consider in that situation. And even that process of considering something about the situation, thinking about it a little differently, changes your mood about it. Um, and so absolutely, when we do the neurofeedback, it gives someone the ability to step back and, and regulate on purpose rather than having the brain just do it for you. It okay. breaks the old habits. You can kind of break the habit of being yourself in this. And I, with almost all clients, I start with a brain map. So I, I do a recording, an EEG recording, run it through some specialized software that gives me a, a whole lot of numbers and some uh, color-coded charts of what's going on in the brain. People will come in with ADD, and I'll, I'll look at it, and I think this, this isn't what an, a typical ADD brain necessarily looks like, but, but they have the problems and they are kind of dysregulated in certain ways here and here. The map actually compares your brain to a database of brains. So it compares yours to other people, your gender, your age. And these are all high functioning brains that, that seem, tend to work well and they come up with an average. So the, the brain is, is represented, the map is represented with with disease scores, standard deviations from the, the norm. And you can look at the different things that are going on that are three or four standard deviations from normal. And you look at where it's happening. It's all about location, where it's happening in the brain, what's going on with the neurophysiology of it. And based on that, you can come up with a protocol to adjust it. Now, that's when you're doing the entrainment. If you're just disentraining, you don't necessarily have to do that map. Um, the map's kind of expensive. People charge uh, $800 for it in most cases. Some people charge a little less. I charge less than that. But So they can be a little expensive. So some people want to just try disentraining it and see if it breaks the old patterns well enough. And if that doesn't work, then I move on to in-training. And some of the stuff I have does in-training and disentraining at the same time. I mentioned introducing an electrical frequency to this other guy. And that will do the same thing. You, you run electrical current. It's called um, transcranial direct stimulation, um, transcranial direct current stimulation. And you, you, you run that through someone's head, that can break up all the old patterns or some old patterns, but you're also running a specific frequency through the head. So if, if someone doesn't create enough low beta frequencies, which you need to create in order to focus well enough, and they've got a lot of um, dysregulation in a certain area, you can, you can feed these low beta frequencies to that area. And it will both break up what's going on otherwise and entrain the brain to create more of those frequencies at that spot. Um, and then you can do that for a little while and then do the traditional neural feedback right afterwards, which is what, which is what I generally like to do. So you combine the two and you get some really great results. If you're doing the entrainment, if you're training the brain to do something new, I, there is something to be said for not putting the cart before the horse. You want to at least let the kid be old enough so you can see what's going on. Okay. So you can say, okay, yeah, this is not normal. We need to fix this. So um, but if you, if your pediatrician or you have or your specialist says, okay, there are definitely some autistic patterns here that, and the kid is old enough for you to see those patterns. It's probably not too early. The question is, can the kid do the feedback? And in some cases, yeah, they could, you could, 
you, you could uh, find a way to make it work. You'd have a lot of trouble getting a brain map on a real young kid, but they, they make electrode caps for that are they get quite small. Yeah, your your clients with ADD and autism. You mentioned you found some success there. Yes, ADD is the thing that's come out the best in regard to the research done on neurofeedback. In most studies, they can get a noticeable difference, even though they're often trying these different protocols. Again, you personalize it. If I'm treating someone with ADD, I always like to get a brain map to see what's going on. I mentioned earlier that you have you have two different attention networks, and they have a they they cover multiple parts of the brain. People like to say that the frontal cortex is where your attention happens. That's that's a real overgeneralization of of where it happens. You also you kind of need multiple parts of your cortex to respond to stimuli and notice and then key into things that you want to notice and regulate where your attention goes. And I look at how, how those systems tend to be working together. And if the computer, the software we it to says that one of those systems or both of them are far off, I like to put the entire cap on someone's head and train, train their attention back to the norm. Now, sometimes people... Um, actually, uh, my niece is a good example of that. The one that I did the, I did a treatment on her yesterday and I have a map from a little while ago. She has a little trouble with attention, but the system that's off is her anxiety system, the network that kind of regulates anxiety. And that's not ultra uncommon for people to feel like they can't pay attention to anything, but it's actually because of an emotional problem or something else that's pulling them off. It's not the attention network themselves. Uh, to generalize, and this is generalizing, it's maybe half to two thirds of people with true ADD. They produce too many theta waves. They, they just, their brain is operating on a slower frequency and it works pretty well to train those slow frequencies down to decrease them a little and train the brain to produce more beta frequencies, low beta frequencies where you do your focusing. Um, but again, you do that in specific places. The, the place actually matters more than the frequency. So yeah, you try and speed it up and try to get the certain areas working well together. And, and usually I will use the electromagnetic frequencies and the, the direct current stimulation that I mentioned before um, to entrain the new patterns. And then we'll use that operating conditioning to get the stick I also have another device that I, I really like. It's pretty new, and it's not neurofeedback. It's a, a neurotherapy device where you you try and clap within a certain rhythm, and the software tells you how close you are to the beat. It's called an interactive metronome, and it does some incredible things. As a man did some research a while back, and I'm, I'm not going to say this exactly right, but he, he found that kids who could hit precisely on a beat read earlier and I think he found they had work they had better working memories. They just did better in school in general and they tended to have better attention spans. He he then found out that you could train that same tendency. You could you could train them to be able to beat to clap to a beat more precisely and then they could they could pick up some of those things. In fact they've done more research on kids who do after school programs and the ones who do music programs uh, do better scholastically across the board. They, they have a show better improvement than kids who play sports and do other things. And that's despite the fact that sports are great for you. And you have a lot of benefit from doing that. 
So someone got a hold of this research and created the interactive metronome where you, you train yourself to tap on a beat and the computer tells you within, within a millisecond how close you are to that beat, whether you're early or late on every beat and you get, a, you get an automatic feedback. And so you sit and do it for half hour, you use your hands, you use your feet, you use one hand versus the other, you use both a hand and a foot and you train your brain to be more precise in a pattern. And it, it tends to improve people's um, attention spans quite a bit. Fascinating. So I couple that with, yeah, it is. It, it actually doesn't train your, your cerebral cortex. It, tra it trains your, uh, your cerebellum. And when you're doing neurofeedback, this is maybe more information than the listeners are looking for. But when you do neurofeedback, you're training pyramidal cells in the brain. You're not training all the neurons. It's, it's a specific lineup of cells that'll show you generally what's happening. Well, your cerebellum can't be trained that way. It has a lot of neurons in it, but it doesn't have pyramidal cells lined up in the way your cortex does. You, you can't get an EEG reading on what the cerebellum is doing. But your cerebellum has more neurons in it than the rest of your body put together. It's packed full of neurons. And most of the frequency, and I'm generalizing here, but most of the frequencies that you get through your brain, the, the feedback and the input, get passed through the cerebellum at some point. It does a lot of information processing. And uh, it does a lot of resource regulating. And so when you get the cerebellum, so, um, when you train it to be able to precisely, you know, clap on a beat like that, you are, um, you're able to more efficiently rally resources in your brain, including the resources you need for attention. I hope I'm explaining that in the right way. I'm on my website and on others, they're on their website. I've noticed you have describe how it works. Yes, I, I love that. I highly recommend the information you have on your website. It's very informational. It, it really helps. Yeah, it's well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I try to get as much in there. And I try to get as many tools as I can. When you hear about something that works really well, it's hard for me to say, well, what I've got to work in. I'll try this. <laughs> I have to try that new thing. And, and cover as many bases as I can. People pay quite a bit of money and they, it's their whole lives that are kind of hanging in the balance. They, it's their brain. They really want to get this things to work better. So when you find something that, that on its own has a big impact on someone, you got to look into it. You got to try it out. And some people just use this interactive metronome with ADD or sometimes with autism and have really good results. So I tack it on the end of the session. So it's when come, people come in, I'll often, they'll often be in the office for a good hour and a half with me because I'm doing multiple different things mm -hmm. um, to try and, yeah, regulate this system. That and sounds really impressive. Family. So how do parents it's, contact you? I, I'll have the link to your website on my page. That's pretty much it. People just call. I use my cell phone for my private practice. So just call with the, the uh, number that's on the website. Go from there. Yes. Do you have any advice for parents? Um, is earlier treatment more effective? If you're, if you're certain there's a problem, I would say that it is. You're doing, you're making little adjustments in how the overall brain works, but those little adjustments change your, your life trajectory a few degrees. And you know the analogy you leave California, if you're a couple degrees off, you, you miss Hawaii and you, you hit Indonesia. Yeah, so if you change that, the earlier is better. Kids who get treatment are able to enjoy school a little more. 
which enables them to do better, enables them to build confidence, enjoy their social life, build relationships a little better. Everything gets affected to some degree. That's so, true. yeah, if you know there's a problem, you could. it's worth looking into to get it fixed. Early treatment is always more effective. I would think so. Well, thank you so much, Adam. This has been very oh, informative. Well, well it's, been, it's been good to talk to you. I appreciate it. All right. You have a great day. I will. You too. estate agent with Century 21. Ron, welcome. Thank you, Emily. I appreciate you having me on. I've met Ron through networking and I know that he is a real estate agent who focuses on helping